0: I wonder what some of your favorite last words that you've encountered are. Um, some of my favorites are maybe the likes of Mary Antoinette, um, who, uh, whenever she went up to be executed, she was famous for having, uh, whenever heard that the peasants in France were starving and had no bread, she said, let them eat cake. And so whenever they revolted and they, they took her to be executed, You would think at this moment would be a time for great humility, but really, she's just summed herself up in a sentence when she casually asked the uh, the executioner to step aside and said, "Excuse me, please." Or maybe it's like Oscar Wilde, who was famous for his dry wit, who said, "Well, either either this wallpaper goes or I do." Or maybe it was maybe something like something quite sweet like maybe the philosopher John Paul Sartre, whose final words were just to say that he loved his wife dearly. Or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who whenever he was, he was about to pass into death, he, he turned to his wife and said, you're just wonderful. Those final words that we say in those moments so often can sum up, sum up a life, sum up a moment and condense down what somebody might be trying to say into its most raw and potent form and to get it across in that last moment or that last second. Now, Paul's last words in this letter, he's not about to die, but they're his last words that he's written down to the church in Galatia. And so what he's trying to do in these last few verses is he's trying to get across in a potent form what he's been trying to communicate in the whole letter. He's trying to get across one final time, the message that he is most concerned about. And the message that he is concerned about is that the Galatians stop following the religion of legalism, stop following the religions of the world around them and trust and boast in Jesus. We're gonna see three different ways that Paul talks about boasting here this morning. And the first bit of boasting that we see is that in Galatia, there's some boasting in legalism. If you look down with me, Paul starts writing in verse 12. He says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do so is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast in your circumcision in the flesh." Paul, whenever he's writing this letter, what he's wanting to do is to try and show how these Judaizers, this group who's come in after him, after he's first shared the gospel with Galatia, are trying to get glory, but not glory that goes to Jesus, glory that goes to themselves. And so Paul's trying to emphasize the way that they're boasting in something other than Jesus, and what they're boasting in is legalism. So we see in verse 12 that they want to have a sort of faith and a sort of relationship with Jesus that gives them an easier time of it. They want to impress people by means of the flesh so that they're not persecuted. You know, they want a religion that's respectable. At the time, whenever Paul would have been writing this letter, to be a Christian would have been illegal. It was seen as a a new circumspect sect that was arising out of Judaism and the Romans were deeply suspicious of it. And so these Judaizers who had come in after Paul were trying to say, well, if you want to avoid the persecution, if you want to avoid the pain and the suffering, the martyrdom and the torture, all we need to do is just pretend that we're Jewish, show outwardly as if we were Jews. So get circumcised, observe the law and it'll all be okay because it doesn't really matter. We'll have a quiet life. We'll have an easy life. We'll be respectable. Isn't that something we can be so tempted to think like as Christians? For us to have a faith that has all the outward trimmings of a nice, respectable, adequate life. And we can trust in that other than Jesus. We also see that there is a a legalism of these Judaizers that is boasting in in wanting to say that they can do one thing and then do another. So if you look down, it says that these Judaizers are quite happy for these Galatians to be circumcised and observe the law in some way, but they don't actually observe the law themselves. And that's the issue with legalism. That's the issue with boasting and legalism is it leads to a form of hypocrisy it falls into a faith that says, do as I say, not as I do. It's a faith that is quite happy to talk to talk, but very unwilling to walk the walk. And what goes on behind closed doors is something that they would rather not talk about because it's all about performance, all about outward display, all about showing yourself to be better than others. And we see that the reason they want to do that in the second half of verse 13 is they want to be able to boast that, these, that they were able to get the Christians in Galatia to circumcise themselves. They wanted to be able to build a platform for themselves. They wanted to be able to say that these Galatian Christians has listened to us instead of Paul. They wanted to be able to say, look at this amazing thing that we did. Isn't it great? We managed to get these Christians in Galatia to follow the religious laws that we want them to follow. Aren't we great? Aren't we so influential? Aren't we so powerful? And legalism will always try to do that. Advance reputation, advance your standing with other people, make yourself look better, puff yourself up. And that's because at at its root core, boasting in legalism like the Judaizers have been doing, it comes back to a more fundamental and base sin. And that sin is pride. And pride is, as the the theologian Thomas Aquinas said, that all sins may have their origin in pride because in pride, man exalts himself to something he isn't. It can be so tempting whenever we're following a faith that's legalistic, to feel good about ourselves, to erect extra laws and extra rules around our faith. And whenever we encounter people who don't follow those rules to look down our noses at them, or whenever people don't quite meet the standards that we set ourselves, we can use that to tickle our own ego and to inflate our own sense of self. And what's danger about this pride that lies in legalism is that pride will sneak itself in to everything if it can. Um, Augustine of Hippo said that pride lies in wait for good deeds. You know, you can imagine it. Maybe you got up this morning and you read your Bible uh, and what you came away from that after you'd read your Bible this morning wasn't what God had been saying to you in it, but aren't I great? I read my Bible this morning and I know so-and-so didn't. Or maybe it's whenever you're driving and you let somebody out and you see that the driver behind you didn't let somebody out and you go, aren't I such a nice, nice person compared to them? Pride lies in wait for every good deed and tries to use it to inflate our sense of self and our sense of our own goodness. And we can fool ourselves. It can be so easy to do good things for the wrong reasons. It can be so easy for us to do good things, say nice things, be kind to people, not because we want the glory to go to Christ, but because we want people to think that we're really nice. And that is a grave, grave danger because the glory that we are concerned about is not the glory of ourselves being nice, upright, respectable people. But the glory we are concerned about is the glory of a savior who is better than we could ever imagine, who is perfect in every way that we feel, and who has given us every spiritual blessing and every good deed that we could imagine whenever we were weak and sinful and dead in our trespasses and sins. What boasting in legalism tries to do is say, if you follow the rules and follow the laws, you've got confidence and reason to boast. You can be proud of yourself. And that will always arrive at at a place where it makes somebody proud, it makes somebody self-righteous and arrogant, but also what's most dangerous is it blinds us to what's going on in our own hearts. And that's what's happened with these Judaizers in, in Galatia. They have been trying to do something they thought was good, but it's become all about them rather than about God. They're boasting and how well they can observe the laws, they're boasting in legalism. But there's another kind of boasting that goes on here and that's boasting in quote unquote freedom. Now, what I find interesting here is that this is maybe a form of boasting that we're more susceptible to in our culture. If you look down with me at verse 15, Paul says that circumcision doesn't count for something. But he's almost catching where the Galatians could go to when he says, but uncircumcision doesn't count for anything either. If you look down, he says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What what Paul's doing there is he's trying trying to preempt where the Galatians might go because the Galatians might hear, well, you know, you don't want to be legalistic. You don't want to follow these laws. You don't want to go back to Judaism. You know, it's a bad thing to follow these old forms of religion that were part of the old dispensation of our faith. Rather, what you want to do is try and come away from that. And, and what we can so often do is we can, we can fall off, uh, get up, As Martin Luther said, and I think this is a great illustration, he says that, you know, the gospel's a lot like a drunk man getting on a horse. He gets on one side and falls off the other. And so often we can be like that. And Paul was afraid the Galatians would be similar to that, where they would get up from their legalism, get up from following Judaism, but then fall off on the other side of trying to boast in how great they were at being Gentiles. Boasting about how they had nothing to do with Judaism. Boasting about how they were free from the law and free from all this boasting that they weren't like those Judaizers, boasting that they were free. And I think in our own sensibility in Northern Ireland, we are probably more akin to boasting in a sort of false freedom. You know, our our antennae in Northern Ireland are very attuned to boasting. If anybody gets up above their station, we're very quick to pull them down. If anybody is legalistic, we're quite quick to be able to point that out and spot it. But then we can fall into another trap where we can think that the freedom that we have and the freedom that Christ gives us gives us another reason for boasting. And whilst we might be not falling into the trap of legalism, we can fall into another trap of pride that makes us like the Pharisee who went into the temple and saw the tax collector beating his breast and on his knees. And the Pharisee prayed, you know, I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I am not not an extortioner, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer. We might be tempted to say tongue in cheek that he would have prayed, I'm not even like this old fashioned traditional legalist because the pride that can root itself in can want to say, we're free from that and we know so much better now. are we great? And pride can tickle our fancy in all sorts of ways by causing us to boast in legalism, yes, but also causing us to boast in our licentiousness. We might boast in how relevant we feel we are to the culture maybe boast in how different we feel we are from other Christians. We might even boast how independent and free thinking we are compared to other people. And we might think that gives us cause for freedom and what gives gives us cause for boasting is that we know something and know better than Christians who have went before us, who might be trying to give us advice and instruction. There's a political theorist, Patrick Deenan, who who lectures at Notre Dame over in America. And he he said this about freedom. He said, to be free is to be free from the enslavement of one's own basis desires, but it can never be fulfilled. And the pursuit only fosters ceaseless craving and discontent. We can think that we can boast in a great deal of freedom, think that we can boast by becoming freer, boast by thinking that we know better and we are somehow above of what we see a lot of other Christians doing. And yet we fall into the same pit of pride because we make our faith about ourselves rather than it being about Christ. Because the gospel we believe in is so much more freeing than legalism. And it's so much more freeing than a licentious view of living. Because the gospel we believe in allows us to put to death all the things that are in the world around us. Because we boast not in how good we are, not on how well we can follow the rules, nor in how free we think we are from the rules, but we boast in the cross of Christ. And that is what Paul wants to leave the Galatians with. A view of boasting that allows them to boast with a correct and right view of the world. If you look down, he says in verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that Paul could have said, you know, he wants to boast in Christ could have said, boast in Christ, boast in what Christ has done, but he says, I will boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross, which is a torture device to his original hearers. It's like saying, I will boast in the gallows or I will boast in the electric chair or in the lethal injection. And in in an ancient culture that is obsessed with honor and shame to say, I will boast in what is shameful to your ears is to flip everything that the Galatians would have thought about the world on its head. Because this would have sounded like madness to them. Why would you boast in something that sounds dishonorable? Why would you boast in the cross, which is something that is a torture instrument for criminals? And it's because God loves, as he tells us in 1 Corinthians, to use the wisdom of the, his wisdom to shame the wisdom of the world, to take what is foolish and use it to shame the wise because the gospel sounds crazy to people whenever you try and communicate it. Because it says that your reason for boasting isn't that you're good enough. Your reason for boasting isn't that you're free. It isn't that you know better. It isn't that you're more progressive or enlightened. It isn't that you're a nice, respectable, upright person. The reason we have to boast is because at one point in our lives, we said, I have nothing to boast in. I am a weak person and I'm a sinful person and I can't fix myself. There's something wrong with me. And whatever I do, I can't seem to get out of the sense of shame and guilt and sin that I have. And so I need to go to Jesus and I need to boast in his name and boast in what he's done for me and give Him, the glory, because I don't deserve any whatsoever. What kind of boasting is this? Boasting that looks at yourself and says, I am completely unworthy. And yet, and yet my God in heaven saw me in my sinful state and sent his son to die for me. What kind of boasting is that? boasting that has turned on its head because none of the glory goes to us if we have this right view of the gospel. But the glory all goes to God and the glory all goes to Christ because we see that it's madness to boast in anything else. If we want to boast in how, how well off we're doing, we've seen this past year how quickly our finances can be stripped away or if we wanna boast in how well our kids are doing at school or in how well our family's doing, we know that that is something that can be slipped from our hands. But to boast in the cross of Christ is to realize that all of these things pale in comparison to the glory that we give to God for saving people like us, even when we didn't deserve it. The gospel is the only thing that truly makes us free enough in this world and allows us to see that God alone is the one who gets the glory. There's a really wonderful poem by G.K. Chesterton um, where he, he talks about becoming a Christian. And he ends it with this line. And I think it sums up the Christian life so well. He says, all these things are as dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. If we are Christians, we have been brought from spiritual death into life. We have, we have encountered a spiritual resurrection. How do you think Lazarus lived his life after Christ brought him back from the dead? I'm sure his life was not concerned with trinkets, nor power, nor influence, but it was concerned with praising and proclaiming the name of the Jesus who raised him. And if we have been raised spiritually from the dead, why would we concern ourselves with anything of this world other than to proclaim and to rejoice and to wonder at the Jesus who has raised us spiritually and will on that final day raise us physically as well. This is the gospel that Paul wants the Galatians to see. He wants them to see that following the right rules and the laws won't give them the freedom they need boasting in how free they might've been as Gentiles won't give them what they need. Because what they need is Jesus. And what they need is to be raised in his name. And that's why he ends with this wonderful, wonderful benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with you. And may it be with you as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have shown us such a wonderful grace in Jesus and that you have raised us spiritually from the dead. Would we rejoice in this wonderful hope and wonderful truth? Because in some ways we are all like Lazarus and in Christ we live, amen.